0: We're doing a series called Seasons because when it's like this outside, you don't have to tell anyone it's summer. And also it comes up a lot in conversation. Why? Why does it come up a lot in conversation? Oh, the heat, oh, the this and that. Any extreme in our life is going to be more pressing in the front of our mind, right? It's not on the back burner. If it's sunny and 72, we say it's great weather and we go out and do something all day. But when it's super hot like this, you talk about it because it's right in your face all the time. You cannot forget it even if you tried. It's just the way it is. This is the way it is in our life too. We have those sunny 72-degree days and we have those 98% humidity 98-degree days. We're still doing the same thing, right? But it is a lot harder to cut the grass today than it was a few months ago. Yes, you feel it, the drain and the pressure on you. This is the seasons of life. So we learn from the word of God how to thrive in them, how to not grow weary in them. So turn to Galatians chapter six. Let me set this up. Paul has done three missionary journeys to Galatia. The church of Gal- the, this letter written was not to an individual church, but really to a group of churches. He's done three missionary journeys there. He's visited multiple churches in Galatia. This is the book of Galatians. And this is his, latter, his letter, most probably his last words to that church. He will not visit them again. He wants to, but that's not God's will. He'll end his life in Rome. So this is one of his early letters, but it's the last time he visits that area. So he's writing to friends. He's writing to people who he helped establish in the faith. So Galatians 6, the end of the book, we're going to read 6 through 10. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life and let us not grow weary while doing good or in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart therefore as you have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith Before we jump into this, I want you to see the picture. This is a church-focused text. The reason why Paul was so passionate about the local church is, one, he established a lot of them. If you start a company, you care a lot about it, huh? Right? If you start it from scratch, if it's your child, you care a lot about it. Paul had no problem, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing about the passion, about the importance of the local church. He It was his heartbeat. So we need to understand in context, in his mind, you cannot be a healthy Christian without being a part of a local church. If it's this one, praise God. If you're visiting, find one in your hometown. In his view, in God's view, you have to be a part of a local church. This doesn't even make any sense if you're not a part of a local church, right? All right. So let's look at this. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Paul puts an emphasis on sowing. Whatever he sows, he's going to reap. But the sowing always comes first, right? The sowing, the sowing, the sowing. Now, when I was here a few years ago, when I moved and started this church, I actually had that one backward. I thought, you know what? We'll get in here and we'll just start and the harvest is just going to be like that you know, it doesn't work like that in the natural world. And I don't know why I thought this, but it didn't work like that either. I made a big mistake in my life when I said, well, I'll just take harvest, harvest. And God said, I wanted you to sow. sow." Paul puts a premium. Jesus Christ, our savior puts a premium, not on anything except planting, sowing, sowing, sowing. In fact, We're not even, in some ways, the harvesters. Who's the harvester? It's him. He's called the Lord of the harvest. In fact, there was some fighting and stuff in the New Testament. and They go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying you're of Paul. You're saying you're of Apollos. You know, one planted, one watered. None of that matters. It's the harvest is the Lord's. So our focus should always be on planting, not necessarily on harvest. Number one on your notes. Planting is not important. It's vitally important to Christians. Planting is the focus of our life. We sow, we pour, we pour out. Let me say you how Jesus said it. It is better to than to receive. What did he say? Give. To give. What is that? That's planting. We are planters by nature. God was a planter. He gave us his son. He sowed him into this sinful world, the sinless God into a sinful world. We are by nature planters. It is our focus from beginning to end. I would think of planting as, okay, when you're younger, you plant, and when you're older, you reap. Well, that's true in, in ways, especially you know, if you start a 401k at 25, you wanna have something there when you're 65. But in a Christian's life, we're always thinking about planting because God is the one of the harvest. Look at Proverbs eleven eighteen. What says here? The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness, we're what? Well, righteousness will have a sure reward. We're planters. We're planters we're planters, we're planters. You know, I think about planting, you know, garden or whatever, and I think you never know what you're going to get when you plant. That's why I love to fish, too. You never know what you're going to get when you pull out. You knew the fishing was coming. That's not the point. That just came in sideways, okay? This is a gardening metaphor. This is not about fishing. Fishing will be next week and the next week and the next week. But, <laughs> but let me show you some pictures here. When these people planted this, they had no idea what would be the harvest, but they were just planters. And it sometimes can be surprising. It sometimes can be amazing. Now, you know that guy, or lady, got like 500 bucks for that on eBay. Come on. Did that planter get like 500 bucks for that thing on eBay or more? For sure. Let's look at some other ones here. Now, if you could reproduce that, you could sell that for $15 a, a pound probably or 20. A little duckling. Okay, that's too much for church. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done it. I knew I was like, that's too much that's risque. I'm not even sure if it's a radish or not. I'm not positive. Maybe someone who knows more about gardening can tell me what that is. Do you think the planter ever thought they would, that that would be the product when they put that seed in the ground? Okay, I can't end on that one because that's all you're going to think about. Let's look at this one. That's a little better. Okay, that's, we can show that one in children's ministry. There we go. All right, let's look at the last one here. This one has a point. This is the Mongolian giant sunflower seed. Yes, that's a basketball. That one seed produces hundreds of sunflower seeds on that one plant. That is unbelievable. I'm going to tell you, you sow. This is the picture of God. This is what he does. You be a sower, you be a sower, a good sower, it's vitally. God is not mocked, you just sow and let God be the harvester. Let's keep looking here. I want to show you a picture of this, of Paul's life in the New Testament in the book of Acts. So this is Acts 20, 35. So this is Ephesians, kind of the sister church to Galatians, what we're reading. So Paul does the exact same thing with the Ephesians. He goes and he visits them. He's writing them a letter. But at the end of Ephesians, he gets to visit. And he visits them one last time. And the, the record of that visit is in the book of Acts chapter 20. So I want to show you this. This is Acts 20, 35, the last time they're together. I want to show you what the end result of someone who just plants. This is someone who just plants and plants and plants. Watch the end result. Acts 20, 35. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to Give, then receive. I just followed his example. I just sowed. I just sowed. I just sowed. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. So they're all sitting there. This is their last time together. They hadn't lived their whole lives together. Paul had visited them, but they have bonded and made a close relationship. Because there's someone named Paul who's just sowing and sowing. Look at this. They knelt down and prayed with them. Then all of them wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now I'm going to tell you, that's a sad, it's a melodramatic. I mean, that's a dramatic tear jerk and get the tissues out picture, right? I mean, that's like the best drama. That's what it is. But it is the picture of someone who just sows. This is the fruit. They come in together. They love each other. Are these relationships real? Are they authentic? Are they deep? Is it a deep relationship they have here? And the little epitaph at the end. And what did they do? They accompanied him to the ship. Now, look at this. That's like the train station pulling out. They're there at the dock. They want to see him in any way they can to the very last moment. All the way with the kids. They had kids to take care of. They had jobs. They had all of those things. They stopped because there was a man who just sowed and sowed and sowed. And they, he watched when he left Ephesus of a ship harbor of that dock full of people, full of fruit. Full, he leaves that ship looking at them, saying, Oh God, your harvest is so much greater than I ever could imagine. I had no idea when I came into Ephesus what allayed me, I had what waited on me, I had no idea what this would look like. But for the encouragement of Paul, God let him see this harvest, even just on earth, eternity, we don't even know how great it'll be. Looking at those people, saying, Oh, look at that harvest. So, good planning is it vital? It's vital. That's our focus in life. We just plant. We plant, we plant, we plant. Let's keep looking here. Verse 8, we're back in Galatians. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap good things. Reap a better portfolio. Reap in this earth. That's not what it says, does it? What does it say? Reap what? Is there anything bigger? Can I say a bigger word than eternity? Can I say a bigger word than living in eternity? Heaven, everlasting life. Is there anything like bigger you can think or wrap our minds around? We can't really even wrap our mind around that. But is there anything bigger? Right? Anybody? I I can't think of anything bigger. So this is the picture. He who decides to be a sower and sows into the spiritual life of themselves, of their family, of their church, of their neighbors, of, 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 is not just reaping a harvest here, is not reaping something one for one. It's or I get two, I get you know ten percent back or twenty percent back. It's compound interest. It's incalculable, it's eternal life type stuff. Number two on your notes. The greatest return comes from sowing into God's kingdom. Einstein was asked. Is there anything that still amazes you in life? He said, yes, that's easy. Compound interest. That's what he said. Why? Because it was exponential. This is that statement. Sowing into the kingdom of God. Sowing into put your life in whatever fits where you are in your life is exponential. And we have to remember that. This is Paul setting all of this up for the famous scripture, hey, don't grow weary in well-doing because what you're doing is exponential in its nature. It's eternal. It's forever. Now we all miss this sometimes, right, in life. Don't we? Do we miss this? We don't always sow when we should. There's always times in our life. I was talking to the worship leader this morning and he told me one such story. And I thought, you know, Taylor's new here. And we really haven't roasted him yet, so he really, <laughs> he really needs to tell this story, so um, so everyone can understand when it goes bad. I am so listen. I do I always tell my mess ups all the time and everything I do bad. And as an example, I'm tired of holding that burden by myself. That's why God brought him here. Oh, you got your. Oh, he's got. How dare I bring a mic up for a musician? I'm sorry. You did that on purpose. Okay. Yeah, you did that. You told them, you paid them money to keep that off. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not going to let you off the hook.
1: Disclaimer. <laughs> Don't open your book in front of him.
0: <laughs> You're the one who said, he's the one who said, look, I'm an open book. We're going to... Not anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> is this look at that. Okay, no, no, no. Look at this that. No, oh, no, there, you no, go. there we go. <laughs> He's not going to pay you enough, all right?
1: <laughs> so, uh, we were talking with Chris and Connie in the back earlier about um, going to the Lauren Daigle concert. I know I saw Miss Cindy there. Did anybody go this weekend? Lauren Daigle fans. Um, so, uh, I, was, I was telling him that um, growing up and in middle school and high school, Lauren's older brother and uh, was my best friend. We went to the same church, went to the same school, and uh, we, were, we were just chatting about about the concert and... Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was telling them that I started leading worship at our chapels in high school and, um, and in youth groups at church. And Lauren was, we were in high school, she was in like fourth, fifth grade. And whenever I'd go to their house, she would chase me around because she knew I played and sang and she saw me a lot. And she would say, Taylor, sing with me. Am I doing good? And it was literally every day, Lauren, shut your mouth. Go away. I don't want to hang out with you. And it's just, he started busting out laughing because it was like, you know, I had such an opportunity to <laughs> help her. I don't know. <laughs> Not that she needed me, but like um, just uh, <laughs> wasted opportunity there, you know. Um, now, she still loves me. I, I still love their family. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's funny how that came around.
0: Now, let me, let, me, let me end this. Okay. So, you went to the concert. On Friday. Friday. No, yes. Friday. Tell me where you sat. The back row. Okay. You sat on the back <laughs> row. Why was this?
1: Because that's where the only tickets were. Okay. Oh, her brother was supposed to come into town. He lives in Houston, and he said I could go in backstage with them. And then they left town early, so I had to buy a ticket.
0: Okay, so <laughs> let me ask you a question. <laughs> if all those years ago, he would have said, look at that little bratty fourth grader. Gosh, she drives me crazy, but... There is internal reward. There is something that God could do exponential, and you would have just.
1: She com- would have talked about me at the concert. Oh. <laughs> no.
0: You would have been singing this weekend with Lauren Daigle, probably. probably not, Possibly. But...
1: <laughs> I did hang out with her parents before the show.
0: <laughs> okay, that's right, because you were nice to them. You sewed into them right. You were respectful. Mm-hmm. Y'all got it? <laughs> Thank you very much. Come on, man. I got to roast you. Do you see? It doesn't look exponential. It doesn't look Lauren Daigle packing out the Hyman Center Grammy, I don't know, whatever. I'm not a musician. She's won so many awards and everything else. It doesn't look like that. It looks like a fourth grader sometimes who's just saying, teach me how to sing. Is this good? Is this good? But what God is saying, you just sow it. You do it. You believe my word. You pour out and watch what I will do with it. Amen? That's. Is what it means to, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap not 2%, not 10%, everlasting. Oh, it's so big. It's so great. We cannot begin to understand it. The Bible helps us. Ecclesiastes 3 9 through 11. We need to remember this every time you're sowing, every time you're doing something for Him, and you're here because you do things for Him. You're here because the blood of Jesus has covered you, and you say, I will serve my king. That's why you're here. Let's look at this. What profit has the worker for that, for that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be accompanied. He has made what? Everything beautiful in its time. Lauren was not beautiful, singer at fourth grade. She was annoying. Lots of fourth graders are. I'm not going to let this go, Taylor. You're going to hear this in 10 years. This is going to be my retirement sermon. (laughs) (laughs) But you just so, you understand what you're doing for him and in his name is eternal. And he will make it what in its time? Beautiful. Beautiful in its time. And there's that word again. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God, the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Let the Lord of the harvest have the end. Amen? You just sow. You just say, Lord, I don't care if it's 98% humidity and 90 degrees out there. Just a while ago, I was watching the greeter. I was watching Larry and Brian Jackson out there standing on the outside, With a jacket on and a long-sleeve shirt. Why in the? I was almost told them guys just come on the inside. No, they're not going to do that. They're trained and they know. They greet someone at the door. They open the door all the way and they let them in. That's not easy, but they know. I'm here to sew. I'm just going to smile. I'm going to love them. I'm going to sew. Let's look at the end of this sewing. Let's look at the end of time. Come on, you guys are sci-fi people. Some of you are nerds like me. Look at this, Revelation 17. Revelation 17, I'm sorry, Revelation 19, 7 7 and 8. Revelation 19. AV, don't freak out. I just said it wrong. It gave me the wrong scripture. Revelation 19. Let's look at the end. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, us, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom, has made herself ready. How did she do that? How did she do that? How did sinners covered in the blood, which makes us righteous, make herself ready? And to her it was granted to be arraigned in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the what? The righteous acts. Of the saints. They just sowed and sowed and sowed until they were covered in white. That's you. That's your God-given Christ-centered destiny. It's you. You just sowed and sowed and sowed. And God said, Watch what I'm gonna make out of that. And you're covered in white to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let's look at one more here. Verse 9 of Galatians. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, or in the fullness of it, full season, we shall reap, we will reap, if we do not faint. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. Now, you guys know that we're, my wife, not we, she hates when I say that, is pregnant with our fifth. It is 100 degrees outside. Pregnant ladies are already hot by nature. They got more blood volume and stuff. I am not making this up because we are, you know, in baby mode 24-7. This scripture that says here, and let us not grow weary in well-doing is a maternity scripture. It's a giving, it, it's a, I'm not making it up. You can go look it up in the Greek. I studied it and I was looking at it. And I was like, no, I like you you got me. You got me. You got her, actually. <laughs> it means to relax and to stop pushing. That's what it means. It is, it is absolutely, the, it cannot be confused with anything else. It's talking about having a baby. It's talking about labor. It means to relax and to stop pushing. Do not grow weary in well-doing because what you're producing, you'll forget the pain for the joy that that baby was born. Amen? Is that what Jesus said? That's the red words of Christ right there. You'll forget about it because of what you produced. In fact, you'll forget about it. You'll be so overjoyed and so elated, you'll do it five times, even though it's the most miserable thing on the planet. (laughs) I'm just going to focus right here. I'm going to look at that screen the rest of the sermon. Right there, right there, me and you, Jesus. I'm going to need you later. I didn't prep my wife for that. (laughs) To push without relaxing. I'm going to show you the way Paul said this. We're going to get to the last point. First, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, the end of Paul's life. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have done it all. My season is up. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I just sowed and I just sowed into the end. Listen to Paul's satisfaction here. Finally, I just see of the breath. I just see him going. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only come on everybody not just him it's not some elitist group it's not some apostle in a stained glass window oh no no not to me only but also to how many look at someone and say all 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 who has loved his appearing. All who have just sown and sown and sown. All who said it's vitally important. I've just got to sow. I understand these returns are eternal. They, I cannot even calculate them. To all who, has lo- who have loved his appearing. Excuse me, I said return. His appearing. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I have no clue. <laughs> Number three on your notes. Work. Until he, Jesus, has fully satisfied your soul. Paul ended fully satisfied. Do you hear that? You hear it there? I've run the race. I am fully satisfied. Laid up for me is a crown of righteousness. And he says, follow my example, he says. Follow my example. You can all also be fully satisfied. Do you know that this world spends billions and billions of dollars looking for satisfaction, right? The entertainment industry and everyone on TV who's trying to sell you something are trying to tell you this will satisfy you. Paul says, you follow Christ. You be a sower and make it a vital thing in your life. And you'll sit there at the end, even though you're in a prison. He's saying, oh, I am fully satisfied. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. One last scripture. James. The uh, Apostle James, this is the first of the 12 to die as a martyr. The first of the 12. Obviously, I'm not counting Judas. So James is going to write shortly before his death, and his writing <laughs> is, pro- is prophetic. Obviously, it's the Bible. It's, it's the Spirit of God. It's perfect. But his writing really illustrates his life too. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it, until he receives the early and latter rain, in due season, if you faint not. You also be patient. Do you see how Paul writes and pulls us in, and then James writes and says, hey, just follow me, just like I'm following Jesus. Establish your hearts, get it set, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as the example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended of the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Indeed, look at that. We count them blessed who endured. And then... All the prophets, everything you know about about the Bible, in, as much or as little, floods into your mind when I say that. We count them blessed because they lived a life of sowing. And God's reward was so great. Oh, they could scarcely comprehend it. And so we are sitting here reading the book of James when he could scarcely comprehend what God would do with his life, even though shortened. Even though shortened with his life. Come on, let's spend a minute with Jesus. Just want to encourage you this morning. You don't go weary in well doing, because what you're sowing is eternal just spend a minute this morning reflecting on the scriptures we looked at and studied. Alright. Says he gives seed to the sower. He'll supply the seed; you just keep sowing, and leave the harvest up to him. Amen. Let's make it a vital, important. Let's make it the center of our life. Let's understand that those rewards, oh, they're his and they're eternal, and he's going to satisfy us with good things. Does he satisfy our mouth with good things? Is that what David said over and over? Let's come to the Lord together right now. Lord, we come to you right now. Before we leave. I want to ask anyone here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you don't understand that you can step into His garden and be brought from death to life and come under the blood of Jesus and be forgiven of your sins, if you have never given your life to Jesus, then you're dead in your sins and trespasses. You're separated from Him. But if you'll come to Him right now, He'll pour out His Spirit upon you. For by grace you've been saved through faith. If that's you today... And you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to see your hand. Is there anyone like that? Is there anyone like that? Well, let's pray. Let's all come to Him as a family. Let's come to Him together. Lord, we make a decision right now. We stand all together right now. We say, Lord, we're gonna, it's gonna be vital in our life. It's going to be a point and a focus to sow. Lord, now you give us the seed to sow. Lord, sometimes we don't know what to sow. You lead us. You guide us and you direct us. You said you would give seed to the sower. That means it comes from you. That means it's divine. That means it's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. It's prayer. It's encouragement. You'll bring a scripture to our mind at the right time. You will lead us and guide us how to sow and what to sow. We commit to sow. You'll take everything else. You'll take care of it, Lord. So we ask you that you would make this of utmost importance. Keep it in the center of our heart. The return and the reward will be exponential. And Lord, in that you will satisfy us. Oh, you are the God who satisfies in all good things. We commit to it. We stand on it. Holy Spirit, seal it in our heart and remind it of us daily. In the strong name above all names in the only saving name the name of Jesus Christ we pray and everyone said amen and amen now give him a hand oh thank you Jesus thank you that all your promises are yes and amen and amen God bless you